Hey guys, and welcome back to True Crime Pillow Talk with me, Kristen. Today we are going to be focusing on a case out of Wiley, Texas. And um, the lady we'll be discussing is Candace Montgomery. Uh, she does go by Candy, so at times I will be referencing that name. Um, so, just so everyone understands. Also, I want to say please excuse the dog that's barking. <laughs> um, in, at the neighbor's house, um, you might be able to hear it while I'm recording, so I apologize for that, but let's get started. Candace Candy Montgomery, um, I don't have enough details that I found online to pinpoint exactly when she was born, but it stated that she was 29 when the incident took place, so after 30 years, she should be 60 or at least turning 60. Candace grew up as an army brat. She was continuously moving base to base, leading her to find connections and start new relationships with every single move. And according to her family and friends, she was confident, playful, and young. Reports state that because of Pat, her husband's $70,000 monthly income, Candy and Pat lived comfortably. Um, Candy was actually a housewife, and she enjoyed her life and being a housewife as well as an active member in the Methodist the Methodist Church of Lucas, where she became friends with Betty and Alan Gore. She was married to Pat Montgomery, who was a successful engineer who worked for Texas Instruments. Pat and Candace got married in the early 70s at a young age. And after many years of being, to being together married, uh, Candy stated she got bored. Her boredom in the marriage led to Candy having the idea right before her 29th birthday to ask Betty's husband, Alan, if he would be interested in an affair. Alan agreed to the affair but wanted to establish a list of rules before the affair actually took place, and it's said that they took months to plan the affair out before they um, started the affair, making sure that they took careful precautions to not get caught. Some of the rules they had was that if either of them became too emotionally involved or, you know, wanted to leave their marriage for this affair, the affair would have to end because the affair was just meant to be an adventure and purely physical. But between both of the marriages, Betty and Allen's and Pat and Candy's, they were both starting to dissolve and neither Pat nor Betty knew about the affair at this time. Pat was actually starting to become insensitive. He would use harsh words towards Candy, which always led to arguments purely over nothing. And then Alan, on the other hand, he started having marital problems with Betty because Betty became distant. Due to the complications in both the marriages, it only seemed right to jump on board with the affair. Shortly after the affair started, Betty, a fifth grade school teacher at the time, fell pregnant and Billy and Alan and Candy decided to end the affair. And Alan mainly ended the affair because he wanted to focus more on his marriage. Candy was upset about the affair ending and convinced Alan to have just one last encounter with each other before the affair was completely cut off and Alan agreed to it. But because of the last encounter that Alan agreed to, a murder took place. And on June 12th, 1980, Betty's oldest daughter, Lisa, eight, she was five at the time, 
stayed the night at Candy's house. Um, and the next morning, Lisa actually had swimming lessons, but she didn't have a bathing suit. And Candy had agreed to take her to her swim lessons since she slept over the night before. But since she didn't have a bathing suit, Candy had to obviously drive her to her house to get her bathing suit. And upon arriving to Betty's home, Betty opened the door, made small talk with Candy, and proceeded to ask her if she was having an affair with her husband, Alan. However, no one can really say what happened after the question was asked. It was just stated that Betty asked and Candy responded back that the affair had ended two months prior to her asking. And on June 13, 1980, in the small town of Wiley, Texas, Kansas Montgomery killed Betty Gore. Betty went into her garage after she confronted Candy about the affair and she did not like what Candy had to say, obviously. No one would. And um, she grabbed her axe that she had laying down in the garage and came back and started an altercation with Candy with the axe. Um, it's said that her she kept missing Candy, like her aim was off is what reports were showing. And somehow they ended on the ground and during the altercation, Candy managed to get the axe from Betty. And she killed her close friend by hitting her with the same axe 41 times. She then washed up, Candy then washed up in the bathroom and left the house. And when she left the house, she not only left Betty there dying, but Gore's one-year-old daughter that she was pregnant with when the affair ended, um... She left her in the crib alone at home. She then picked up her children and Lisa, Betty's daughter, from church. And later that night, Alan was trying to reach Betty but failed to connect with her. He was actually out on a business trip when this alter altercation occurred. And he contacted the neighbors right after he failed to connect with Betty to go check on her. Three men that lived next door entered the home and that's when her body was discovered with 28 stab wounds to the head and the rest of the wounds were on her body. It's later said that she was found in the, in the laundry room and her baby girl was crying in her crib. The men also stated that they found bloody footprints and fingerprints including one in, on the freezer. And it's said that detectives found hair from candy and other tissue traces in the shower from candy and it's even said in reports that one of the men that found Betty in her home still actually live in the house next door. Shortly after the murder the trial began at the McKinney Square. The courtroom was packed with 200 people and that was the max amount of people that they could have in the courtroom. The trial actually lasted eight days and Candace's lawyer argued that this was all in self-defense and I'm sure, as you can tell, the courtroom was shocked. But because of the 41 stab wounds, Dr. Fred Faison, Houston psychiatrist, was able to say she had a disassociative reaction, but Montgomery told Faison that Gore said something to her that triggered a reaction and caused her to be unaware of how many times she hit Gore with the axe. However, experts were able to prove that the many of the 41 stab wounds 
where after Gore was already unconscious. He stated in the courtroom that he was able to get the triggered reaction out of Montgomery because he hypnotized her. And in court, Montgomery testified and stated, and I quote, I fell into a dreamlike state and didn't know I was striking Miss Gore repeatedly. She was then sobbing at this point and stated to the jury, and I quote, I hit her, I hit her, I hit her, and I hit her. I kept hitting her and hitting her. I felt so guilty and ashamed. I stood back and looked at myself and I was covered in blood. End quote. Candy stated that the jury that was there was in fact under the impression that there was an affair, but they understood that the affair had ended months prior to the murder and that the couples were still actually good friends. The jury consisted of three men and nine women, and on October 29, 1980, the three hours of deliberation, the juries came back and informed them that they had accepted her self-defense plea and acquitted her of all murder charges. One of the jurors, Alice Daughtry Rowley, stated that the number of blows didn't factor into the decision, and I quote, we determined it never had a bearing on the verdict at all, whether it was one gun- gunshot wound or a thousand wax, end quote. Three months after the court proceeding, Montgomery moved out to Atlanta, Georgia, and became a counselor, and she still lives there. Alan Gore quickly remarried and moved out of Texas as well, but Alan's new marriage quickly ended in divorce, and Betty's parents raised the two daughters who are now in their 40s. Thank you all for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. I do want to let you all know that we will have a case next week, and this is in regard to the disappearance of Sherry Miller and Pam Jackson in 1971, and this was actually solved by a fisherman. So stay tuned, and I will be back next week on Monday for another episode. Thank you all for listening, and have a great night. Bye!